0: Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, we're back with season two question mark of Trapped Under Blaster. I don't know. Yeah, but we shouldn't call it season two. Yeah, it's, we, t- it's still season, season one. So we haven't. I mean, we haven't decided.
1: Yeah. We, we were going to not shoot this episode and we we're just going to talk uh, changes we want to see in season two of the podcast. And then we realized that someone gave us money to advertise
0: their product on this yeah. day. So we needed to do this episode. Speaking of which, I think I have one of their minis in my drawer over there that I have mostly built. So okay. I'll, yeah. b- I'll bring that out. Very nice. Uh, to, to look at. Um, Yeah, but we're still going to do that, right? We're still going to have a meeting of the minds over the attendees. Yes. To so, yeah. really
1: dig in. Yeah, let's discuss that. So there were so many gigantic comments on... On Patreon, in our DMs, in uh, the comment section of the last podcast episode, Mm -hmm. with so much good feedback and stuff to read through. And we want to give ourselves a lot of time to read through that and discuss what we like
0: about each point that's being made. Yeah. Because I think there, there are a lot of really useful bits of info that we've read through already. Yes. And we said, hey... We should take some like adulting time (laughs) to really digest, create a working document of all this stuff. This is
1: all boring things (laughs) they don't want to hear about. But yeah, we'll probably skip an episode at some point in the future and then officially christen the first episode of season two. What are you doing? John is, he's drinking out of a soda can and he's taking his pointer finger and he's touching the mouthpiece and then licking his finger. Are you an animal?
0: Because it's
1: really sharp and I cut myself and I... Lick the blood okay freak all right anyways uh first thing in the preamble is uh daniel trainer who was a commenter on the last uh podcast prefers the tagline the podcast for the miniature hobby enthusiast daniel thank you
0: Like in, the, in the bare minimum work that we put into creating a script for each podcast episode there's one thing scott's got to make sure he adds. i screenshotted the caption and i linked it to this comment
1: so you could open it yeah, Gee, oh, i saw it you know did you read it Did you, it, you see that it's a real comment
0: you posted it on your imager yeah. just so i could look at it
1: thank you daniel
0: your comments mean a lot everyone else's don't just daniel's <laughs> <laughs> miniature hobby enthusiast. Maybe it's not so much the term. It's just the person that's saying it. Yikes.
1: <laughs> wow. Uh. Anyways, I appreciated it. Um, I was assembling some Sisters of Battle recently for a, a video that we'll talk about later. Um, and I'm also kind of messing around in my head with the idea of a SOB kill team. Mm. And so I was like kind of just like looking at the sprue and, and looking at stuff. And I was like, I, found, I saw a crossbow in there. What? And I was like, what the heck is this thing? And it's a crossbow that goes on top of a bolt pistol. And I'm like, this is so freaking cool. <laughs> and so I started just looking through this kit. And this box, which comes with 10 Battle Sisters, I think costs $50. Okay. Which that's a lot of money, right? It's a lot of money. But it makes Battle Sisters, Dominions, and Celestials, which are three different units-ish. Basically the difference is that one can take more special weapons and more heavy weapons. Okay. But there are so many extra bits in that box that for a moment mm. I forgot it cost fifty dollars. Oh. And then I remembered and I was like still angry. But I was so I was so happy with the amount of bits that I would harvest from this thing after assembling just ten normal sisters.
0: It was it was pretty good. Could you could you use those crossbows? in something for a fantasy setting too? Yeah, for sure. Okay. I just think of like the Diablo 3 Demon Hunter. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Dual wheel and hand crossbows. Yeah, for sure. It'd be a great conversion.
1: I think there are some dark elf models that have
0: repeater hand crossbows, aren't there? Uh I thought that there was I thought there was a dark Eldar that had that from 40K, but crossbows? Hand crossbows. Okay. I know for a fact, do you know what Dogs of War are? Mhm.
1: Dogs of War were this like weird faction in fantasy that you could basically hire into your army.
0: Oh sure. So like
1: units like vampire counts could get cannons whereas otherwise they wouldn't be able to get cannons. But there was a there was a unit in the Dogs of War army called Mingil's Manflaters, and it was a unit of dark elves and I know they every single one one of them they at least had one repeater hand crossbow and then like a sword. There might be ones with dual wielding ones as well. But I got to imagine like corsairs don't have something like
0: that. Yes, they do. I was thinking of Because I could picture the sprue in my head that I've seen those before, and that's why I thought dark Eldar, and now I'm wrong. It is the black elf Corsairs, black dark elf Corsairs, black arc, black arc. Is that what it is? Yeah, okay, black arc Corsairs. In that kit, they have hand crossbows too. Okay, so you can build three different kits in this one box ish,
1: you know, they they, so it's a bunch of unhelmeted heads, helmeted heads, a bunch of heavy weapons, special weapons, uh, a bunch of cool like banner things cherubs which i think you hate you hate baby cyborg babies right fucking weird yeah yeah, a lot of that stuff um yeah just a lot of like
0: weird religious zealot stuff that it's I'm, like I their into. version of the nerglings like some for some reason yeah. in the kits there's just a couple little fatty everyone Nurglings. needs babies yeah we in, need some in little, 40k f- little fat puss babies with <laughs> fat robot babies one or the other what's the version of fat puss babies for space marines
1: I do they have one. I'm, scouts, I
0: scouts don't think are the they fat have, puss babies of Primaris. They don't have dogs. Like that's the thing I always figured. Like you go going full on the best for everybody army in Space Marines. Just give them dogs, man. Like everyone, if they don't already love your army, now they're gonna love it because everyone loves doggos. Oh, Dude, Primaris doggos. Yeah. Come on, yeah, man's best friend. You could have like all of these different breeds. They could just be printing money. Yeah. Primaris doggo kits. And they could have like, like shoulder cannons Dude. and like laser eyes. But that means dogs are dying. I'm not cool with that. Yeah, that's true. What if they're holographic dogs okay. and the real good yeah. boy is back safe at home? Yeah, yeah. But he, he can like <laughs> connect himself with the link. You know what that reminds me of? <laughs> <laughs> you ever seen Lawson's face? The movie, yeah,
1: yeah. Remember when that kid like pilots the robot in the hallway, and all those spiders are running down, and he's like, fum, 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 and he's not like actually there, but the robot yeah, is. Yeah, the robot is. But the robot's like a real character
0: in that movie, so you still get sad sure. when he gets eaten alive by spiders. Well, but it's not. No one actually dies, right? You know, it's like in all the '80s and '90s cartoons where all the bad guys were actually robots, <laughs> like Ninja Turtles. All the foot soldiers are actually robots, but they <laughs> just look like bad guy ninja people. Same thing with GI Joe; they were all robots, so it was okay to kill them on Saturday morning. <laughs> <laughs> None of the human, actual
1: humans died. Yeah, Cobra Commander. What, what even is he? Yeah,
0: well, he never died because he's a badass. Yeah, leader. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He always got. But he still kind of looked like the regular ones. Yeah,
1: he always like blew up in a in, in a ship, and then he had a parachute, and he was fine. He was yeah. like. Oh,
0: I'll get you next time, yeah. Or there was a little ship inside of a big <laughs> ship, <laughs> and it was just like poof, big ship blows up, to <laughs> and it just like shoots off into the moon, right? yeah. All right, cool. Okay, uh, moving on, Don. You said you had uh food poisoning last night when I showed oh, up today. God. Oh, god. Um, I'm feeling good now, yeah. Thank yeah, heavens.
1: heavens. I'm glad because I brought you some McDonald's, to you and you're like, I had food poisoning last night, and I was like, well, maybe
0: you don't want this. Oh, I'm like, come um, well, that did do a little bit of a number on my system as McDonald's will do when yes. I had nothing in my system. I literally had cleansed <laughs> every orifice. <laughs> yeah, I went to D&D last night. had a great time in D&D. This is how it's related to yeah. the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> had a great time in D&D playing our Wendy's campaign. Um, and I uh, came back home, got ready for bed. Just about midnight, I'm suddenly like, ooh. told my wife, like, ooh, I'm not feeling so hot. I'm gonna go sit down in the bathroom, see what happens. And this was... The first time in my life that I needed a bucket while on the shitter. Cause it was, I I did the whole like, do I get, do I sit, do I get up, do I sit up? Nope, I gotta do both. And there was no bucket in the bathroom. But my wife has this big like pitcher, like a big glass pitcher that she uses to fill up her tub when she does a big fancy bubbly bath stuff. Oh God. That was what was in there, so I had to grab it and just... ralphed in the pitcher. You just desecrated that. Yeah. She's well, never going to use that again. I should probably tell her I barfed it. Oh,
1: no. You didn't tell her?
0: <laughs> I'll tell her after this. Please don't take a bath tonight, sweetie. There's going to be some pink it's chunks. You cleaned it out, obviously. Yeah, I mean, I rinsed it out. But, yeah. I was, <laughs> it was like, she just rinsed it out? You know, You didn't let you soap or anything? No, I mean, I'm, I... Dude, I was so sick. I wasn't concerned with that. Okay, I understand that. I'll do it later. It's just so recent. Right. It's so, yeah. This is like 1230 by the time. It was like 30 minutes of hell wondering (laughs) if I'm going to survive. And, okay, so here's the other great part about this. So we know that my cat Dobby is an asshole. And I have this um, thing where I I don't close the door all the way, usually when I'm in the bathroom, in in our master bathroom. I just don't just close it, but I don't, like, latch it. And so what Dobby does is he, if I do that, he fucking Kung Fu Chuck Norris kicks down my front door every time. Like he headbutts and he goes, poof. And he like, someone kicks in your door. And then he just walks in and stares at what's going on. And he turns around and leaves. So I'm in there shitting and barfing everywhere. My wife's trying to sleep in the next room. And he goes, poof, kicks the door in. And I'm like, Rawr! And he just looks at me he's like what the hell are you doing and he leaves I'm like oh great well my wife and I have our 10 year anniversary this year so now she's heard seen and smell everything <laughs> every kind of liquid you can produce she's experienced it yeah um so but, but I was nervous this morning I was gonna feel like crap but after you know it's great whenever you have a good proper purge barf yeah You you very rarely feel better than right after it's like, I think there's some chemical thing that happens in the brain that yeah. makes you feel so good after. So I felt like, dude, I could just go run a marathon and, you know, arm wrestle Arnold Schwarzenegger or something <laughs> right after that.
1: I think it's because of the comparison, right? Oh, right. You were just in such a, in such dire straits. Yeah. And then you just, now you feel so fantastic by comparison. Cause I'm yeah. sure there are other moments when you actually feel way yes, better than that's that. that's true. That's true. <laughs> I'm not sure. But, um
0: yeah. But then maybe that's why maybe that's why like roller coasters are so great. Because you feel so much like you're about to die <laughs> and then you don't. So you're yeah. like,
1: woo. Yeah, you value life more because yeah. it's a near death experience. I think it's the same thing. Barfing
0: in roller coasters. <laughs> what if you barfed on the roller coaster <laughs> Oh my god, that'd be like euphoria. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That is the best version of life right there.
1: <laughs> All right. Uh last bit of the preamble. Recently, I uh, did a a video on my channel about a community event. Uh, I like the idea of community events, but I don't do them a whole lot. Um, But this one's for charity. It was celebrating hitting 100,000 subscribers, um, which happened a year ago or something. Um, Yeah, a little tardy. Yeah. (laughs) Hey, man, there's a lot of red tape when it comes to setting up an online charity raffle. That's like three stages of legality you have to work out. So in the end, I was like, let's have someone else do it yeah and always that someone, the best idea <laughs> someone else's nova because that's exactly what they do right they raffle off miniatures like stuff we paint uh for charity so they helped me out and you have some 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 questions or some concerns probably about the uh logistics of this operation I have, I have concerns guys. yeah
0: no i mean i thought about it but hit me with it and i'll tell you okay so i watched your video and it came out Offering you say, hey everyone, go sign up here. Clicky click here, clicky click. Sign up here. Um, all the spots were taken. All the miniatures were were taken for and people to hours. paint
1: in a ridiculously short amount of time. And okay, so and for those who didn't see how many options there were, there were four lists of very large armies. Uh, I, I mean, like each army is like 150 to 200 models. And they're broken down by units of ten, or like a single character, like five vehicles, six vehicles, whatever it is. They there's there were so many options,
0: um, and they were all gone. My immediate response to seeing them all gone, in like before the end of the afternoon on day one, was like, "Oh no, <laughs> that's too fast. That's too fast. That those are those were all spoken for too fast." And yeah. why I thought too fast, I'm like, I think there needs to be a a mental walkthrough process before yeah. you commit to something like that, and by all of them being gone so fast, I'm like, did you people really do it? Did you really walk through it in your brain? Do the do you do the calcul- calculations? Calculations <laughs> of how long it's going to take you. Do I have the right paints? Yeah. Do I know? Is this going to work for my schedules? Anything right. going on? Right. School starting up. Do I have kids? And all these things. Like I'm just like, oh gosh, I really hope people. Put the proper thought process in so they know they're going to be successful. Right. I'm just worried about you've got to manage how many different people is it going to be? Like a hundred? Something like a hundred, yeah. You have to manage a hundred people to make sure that they get their shit all done. Yeah. In a month. Yeah. That's scary, man.
1: Yeah, so the the very real concerns. Um, So I have every single person who's applied, I have all of their emails. And my plan is to do weekly check-ins with them and if they don't respond to replace them with someone else Mm. like very early on in the process the earlier the better obviously um so uh, otherwise there are people who are painting duplicates of things that were on the list and i was telling you about this earlier Mm. um accidentally uh Quite a few people signed up for things that were already taken due to like a software issue with the add-on I was using with Google Forms. And that might actually be a good thing because it might cover some people who are not
0: able to finish what they're able to finish. Yeah. I think you might have that be a little happy little accident that that happened.
1: Yeah, so I guess, yeah. So it's not a good solution, but the solution I have is weekly check-ins, reminders in every single video from now until when the event ends. And just a little bit of gold-fashioned prayer. Right. The old JC, (laughs) the old crassio pinkies. (laughs)
2: Yeah.
1: Um, We'll see how it works out. Originally, this is how I wanted to do this. I wanted this army to be the biggest army ever. And so what I wanted to do was have a form set up with percentages, meaning like, okay, in an army, 5% is HQ, 50% is uh, core troops, 30% special 15% is vehicles. I think it's a hundred. I might've messed up. Um, doesn't matter. And I wanted people to like, like looking at going to the form to sign up for what they want to sign up for. And like on the right is like a pie chart of like, this is what the current volunteers have signed up for. Please pick a unit that, uh, makes sure that the percentages are near this. So there is no cap. People no. just can keep picking. Um, and, uh, Nova was like yeah no we're not gonna do that <laughs> <laughs> and I was like why and they're like well you know there's more appeal to four different armies and the armies are more usable when they're like a, a normal size for an army and right. not like a bazillion uh so it's like okay some Ten, point
0: though I'm gonna do that 10,000 points
1: yeah I want some freaking huge like
0: 500 model count army you know something crazy yeah, I mean, that's cool if you get it because you have all your options covered. You could play a 2,000 point game with whatever the hell you want. With, yeah. Because you got it all. Because you got everything. <laughs> yeah. I get their point, though, too. Yeah, yeah. They and want to be useful. And you're going to raise more money if you have four different armies auctioned off rather than one gigantic one.
1: Yeah, but it'd be a spectacle, wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah, I suppose it would. Come on.
0: Come on. <laughs> a spectacle.
1: Yeah. So, yeah, we're going to hope that it's going to work out. But um, I have another concern.
0: Yeah. And it has to do with the United States Postal Service. Yeah, fucking
1: idea? USPS is uh, sucking fat cock right now. It's,
0: it's We're in a tumultuous uh, time for uh, getting and receiving packages in yeah. our country. International. And interna- yeah, international is internationally. Locally scary. is fine.
1: It's, it's not, not terrible. terrible. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. That's that's. I mean, I've had some stuff that it, it's taken a little bit longer yeah. than what expected or what was sent to me as predicted. Yeah. But internationally, it's suddenly... Real nervous, real quick. So in dealing with your timeline, that was my other major concern. Yeah. No, that's a great concern.
1: I intentionally posted the video late, not at 5 a.m. I posted it at 9 a.m. This is actually another accident. (laughs) I tried to post it at 5 a.m., but I scheduled it for the next day at 5 a.m. And then I woke up at 9 a.m. And Amber was like, your video's not posted. And I was like, oh, shit. Um, So then I went and posted it. But it actually was a great idea because the first viewers are a mixture of europe and united states whereas Uh normally at 5 a.m it's exclusively european which means that they would get the majority of the things (gasps) so 9 a.m was was perfect um it could have even been a little bit later honestly so that the west coast was awake and doing stuff by then sure um but yeah
0: they're not up at seven come on west coasters no god they yeah they work 10 to 6 over there they're weirdos yeah it's all about dealing with traffic and stuff i don't know yeah then that's just los angeles yeah (laughs) (laughs) um okay i think that was probably pretty good too not that you're not going to appreciate and want european painters to paint.
1: no yeah it's just the yeah the postal service right now sucks um i get so many questions not so many but i get a few about like hey my duchess has been en route for two months where is it and luckily none of them have been lost in the postal service they all show up eventually so far um but yeah, I, I just have to be like, man, I'm sorry, they're just they're just taking forever. I don't know why. Um, but eventually they all show up. But yeah, two months is ridiculous.
0: Yeah. Like, yes. The it's that cus whatever, postal customs office or something. Is I had I ordered something from China and from when I ordered it until it hit San Francisco, it was like six days. It's like, God damn, that's pretty that's pretty quick. Yeah, that is fast. And then it sat in San Francisco for two straight weeks. I don't even know what the problem is. What's the problem? I don't know. There's something with
1: like mail-in ballots and like po- politics and like yeah. Amazon's going to buy
0: USPS and I'll, I hear all these things. I never really look into it though. I don't know. I, I don't. It's honestly just going to just give you more stress. Yeah. I and mean, it's not worth it. But yeah. It's not yet to the point where we're dealing with stuff related to um election. That's, there's all the fear with, with the way the Postal Service is working and yeah. mail ballots and stuff, but I don't think that's what's dealing right now. Okay. I think it is some connection to COVID. It's got to be, yeah. Because, yeah, it should have the fan when that all started. Right. And so it's either from a logistics standpoint of them having enough staff in there to work safe and to, and I could just push back timelines, mm-hmm. or they've added new um, wait steps in place. Yeah. For, Covid on the surface or something. I oh, don't know. Yeah, maybe like disinfectant. Period. Yeah, 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 right. Yeah, like a quarantine <laughs> for the packages. For your packages, <laughs> yeah. especially ones from China. You're right. Oh Jesus.
1: gosh. Jesus. Ugh. Um. Yeah. So that's that's fun. My, uh, I, I want to paint something for the charity army, obviously. Um, and uh, a viewer reached out to me, and they're like, "Hey, I have some primaries lieutenants and these other things in case people who are painting." don't want to buy them and they just, they, I, I will happily donate them and I was like that's amazing and one of the people he had was uh, uh, Sister Tariana Palos do you know who this is? someone SOB's <laughs> when they <laughs> <laughs> when they first got released they had a few custom sculpts and they were of hmm. just normal sisters they're not like canonesses or like leaders or anything but you can obviously use them like that but one was called uh, Amelia Novena and then one was called Tariana Palos and Tariana sculpt is amazing it's based on a concept for them and so is the amelia one it's based on the concept of uh, carl kapinski but they're both i like the uh uh what did i say What was the name palos tariana palos i like that one more but i love that model so much i was like dude i will paint that one for the community event so i want to paint that one um and i'm excited about the paint scheme too the metallic red thing i'm going to experiment with that and have some fun with it um but yeah, I'm gonna paint that I'm, for the trying, charity event. I'm trying to search up Tariana Palos. All right, John has seen. I've seen that sister, seen and he, he has my. He gave me his blessing. Uh, he, it's he did. A pretty it.
0: cool. It's a pretty cool sculpt. Thank you. I was thinking you were gonna get one, like one of the anniversary or special limited edition lieutenants that they have a bazillion of. Oh yeah, there's so many. I got one or two over in the cupboard of shame over there. Oh yeah, still in the box. Be waiting to sell them for some fat cash. No, I've sold the ones. I think I'm gonna sell. Yeah, I think this one. I, like, I had a reason why I got it. There was, a, there was a reason. I can't remember it. Did you get it for free at Depticon? Probably. Yeah, but there's a reason I was gonna keep it. I have. Oh, it's for your diorama. No. <laughs> this is for YouTube. <laughs> oh, books? this is the dude holding the helmet under his arm. <laughs> yeah, it's like four of those probably. <laughs> right. <laughs> That's true.
1: No, no, I think I'm talking about. Is he have a receding hairline? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I know that one. Yeah. You know what's badass?
0: Receding hairlines. <laughs> <laughs> they make, they just show that you're a grizzled veteran. Well, yeah, You've seen some shit. Yeah. Yeah. For, okay. for my sake, I hope. <laughs> dude, you can't get over worrying about your hairline, and it's hilarious. Oh,
1: my gosh, dude. I'm tw- I feel like, I- see, the problem with me is that I'm 28, but I look like a 16-year-old. <laughs> Yeah, I know it's, that. I look that feeling. like a sixteen-year-old with receding hairline. What the fuck? <laughs> I
0: know that feeling.
1: What's wrong with me,
0: dude? I had when I was in high school. I had two. My class was tiny. I had two guys in my class. They had like half the hair that you had before they graduated <laughs> high school. Ironically, they could both grow like full beards in <laughs> high school too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's so like, well, you know what? It's a trade-off. I wouldn't choose. <laughs> but such is life. Yeah. You don't get much say in it. <laughs> right. Right. All right. Anything else you want to talk about in the preamble, John? No, I don't have anything else. I think we, talk, we, we covered it all. I'm very excited to talk about what you painted. Oh, is that what we're doing next? Let's get into that. I think I, I, think I doubled the amount of models I've painted in my life <laughs> in the last week. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, probably more than doubled. <laughs> I painted 71 models in one weekend. Yeah. A 2,000 point Age of Sigmar Army. That is amazing. It's done. I'll tell you this, I'm so excited just to settle in and listen to Papa John (laughs) talk about this experience. It was not as hard as I had expected it was going to be. It was not not what we make it out to be in our heads when we look at all the models we have or when we think about our full list and all that stuff. It's not so difficult. If you do a couple of very important things, Number one, you must get approval from your spouse to spend an entire weekend nothing but painting. Yeah, That is the most important step. Because if you don't have this, nothing else will go successfully. You will not get those models painted. And number two, you have a plan that is written out and you confirm that you like the final result. Because you should not be thinking. You should just be doing Yeah. I I don't want to be decision-making at this step. So I did a test model and I was happy with where he was at. Did I tweak some things off of that? Yes, but very little. And those tweaks happened at the very end when it was like five thirty, six o'clock on Sunday. And I basically just had black rimming of the bases to go. Oh, my gosh. And I'm like, I'm like, I think I want to mess with some blood splatter. You know, I think I want to tweak a little bit what I was doing with the Vertigree stuff that I did. I don't want to do it exactly like I did. So I gave myself a little bit of time to think through and make changes. And luckily those changes weren't terrible because then I just proceeded to do them all those steps on 71 models. So if it would have looked like garbage, that would have sucked. Yeah. Um, It's not that hard though. There are some steps that suck balls, namely base coating with a brush Yep every little bit of cloth and armor. and stuff That takes so much time.
1: Yeah, man, okay. So this video is gonna be a collaboration between me and John, mm-hmm. and it should be out the Friday before this podcast Yeah, airs. you should be able to see it. So yeah, it'll be linked in the description below. Um, John had a great idea probably like six months before his channel had released a video, <laughs> yeah. which is fine you're thinking about ideas about painting an army in a weekend. And I was like, that's a great idea. Yeah, me being a good friend. I was like, I didn't steal it and make a video about it. <laughs> no, just kidding. Um, so yeah, I want to do it too, but I'm concerned. Um, as I, we
0: sit right now.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mine's not done yet. <laughs> my, the
0: sky hasn't even started as yet.
1: I need to do some final assembly and I'm starting this Monday as Friday evening. Yep. And then Tuesday, Wednesday as Saturday, Sunday, which leaves one day to edit the video. One day. Yeah, as per usual. My planning is pretty shit. <laughs> uh, Amber hates that uh, about me as I'm pretty terrible when it comes to thinking ahead of time. Um, but I'm concerned your army is very uniform and aesthetic. And I feel like mine is not as uniform. So I'm concerned that I'm going to get bogged down painting the various specific details for each model that I have. Mm-hmm. I'm concerned. I'm hedging right now.
0: Yeah. I'm yeah. not going
1: to. I, I don't see a fucking
0: world where I finish. I, I think you can do it. I think, I think what, the we weak- haven throne Neferata. All right. You, I'm going to, I'm going to give you some wisdom right give now. Give me some wisdom. I'm gonna give you some wisdom. Daddy John. What you need to do is you need to find out what's going to tie them all together from a color scheme perspective. Yeah. And you are going to replicate that across all steps. Maybe the red here for the armor is not exactly the way it's going to be in the zombie dragon, but those colors will still all present themselves. So you'll have your full list of here's my bone, here's my armor, here's my cloth, here's my skin tone, here's my whatever. And you have your gen- generic off dark gray that this is the dark gray I'm going to use for everything. Yeah. For this one, it's going to be the hair. For this one, it's going to be the belt. Right, this thing, right. So you have to limit the amount of colors I think that's the number one thing that could really hang you up is you use more than like eight colors. Right. Because it's just going to, it's just, it takes so much time because not only are you adding more steps for yourself, but then you are physically for this little bit of purple, you're still going to have to double check every single model. Is there any purple here? Is there any purple here? Instead of, look, I'm using this kind of plum, gray plum color over here for something. I'm just gonna use that here, even though right. it's not my ideal perfect color, or whatever. Sure. You've got a lot of little details, but you need to you need to unify them and say, I'm not gonna do four different kinds of metallics on this. Yeah. Like you did last time.
1: I mean. Does it really take that much longer? To yes. Have, yes, it does. Okay, how much longer? Is it like five minutes? No, it's not five to minutes. To get a paint out and put it on your palette? That's the only added time.
0: Okay. If, if, and if you have all your steps written down yeah. and you are just going through the motions, yeah. it's not going to be that extra time. But you don't have that written down.
1: Well, okay. No, I don't. I'm going to. That's part of what I'm going to do today as well. Okay. Um, and I have a lot of the colors established from when I painted the wolves and the knights. Yes. That's a good thing. Yeah.
0: Lean into that. What colors did you already use? Exactly, yeah. Yeah, if you use a gold and you use a a silver, that's great. Yeah. Do not get into black lining. Do not get into all that kind of stuff. That's going to eat your time, man. Well, my hope is, is that I can get the black lining done uh, with, to me, a panel liner.
1: And then at the end of a day, and then the next day, I'll clean it up, and then that'll be the first thing I do on the day. I mean, you did that with streaking grime.
0: Yeah, streaking grime is... Well, it's the same thing. It's an enamel wash. <laughs> I know, but with streaking of it's so much different because I did everything in a base coat. So all the colors around the model. And then I just airbrushed, <laughs> shrink crime the entire model. And then <laughs> the whole thing cleaned it up, squeaky clean. <laughs> and that was it. When you think about how much time on a minute model to model basis that took, it's it's way faster. Now, that step took a wait, long wait, time.
1: Wait. Hold on. Airbrushing streaking grime and then wiping it off with white spears is faster than just straight up applying panel liner?
0: Yeah. you better have like a fat-ass brush and I'm just like putting it on? Oh, you, oh, so you're not even like trying to get into the, into the lines? In it the goes to the lines. If I s- slap on a gloss varnish, that'll help it even more. Oh, don't add that stuff. Why not? That'll help it. I know, but you're adding a whole step of... Gloss varnishing the entire. Into- the- now you're also committing to then matte varnishing it all again at the end before you're done, too. That's fine. Man, that's just added two more steps. Yeah, but hear me out here. If I'm using matte tones, I feel like
1: the wash is going to stain the color more because it clings to it more. So if I slap on a little glossy gloss, maybe I'll do a satin one. I like satin varnishes. It's good for gaming models and then it'll help me with a little bit of that surface adhesion. Yeah. Maybe. And you know, it'll be the finished it'll be the finish finished. It'll be the finished finish, finish. Finished finish. Right there. I don't know. This is what I'm thinking. Uh, well Wait, hold on. Yeah, yeah. If I just slap it on with a fat brush, the the panel liner, isn't that, that that that's no better or worse than what you did with streaking grime In fact, I think it's better.
0: I i had pictured when you were talking about panel liner that you were actually using it to panel line. That's where I was. Like like bing like, bing bing. No. Yes. I'm just like in <clears throat> on. If I was going to do
1: that, I would just do an oil wash then. That's, it is an oil wash. It's the same thing. Is it? A you should, you're just a really
0: expensive oil wash. Because, and why is it expensive? Because it, it's the same price as a giant tube of oil, which for your whole army, you're just going to use like one squirt of to oil wash the whole thing instead of that $8 jug of pantalamic. Yeah. No, it definitely is
1: cheaper to do the oil, but there is some value into having a product already mixed. True. True. It's not going to think about it. Sure, You know, you just said that. Sure. You little you little scumbag. <laughs> yeah, so uh, we'll see.
0: You'll, you'll know if Scott has a video about painting an army. Oh, I'll have a video.
1: The question is, did I, did I finish? And the answer is 80% no.
0: God, you're such a wimp.
1: I'm not a wimp. I'm just realistic, okay? I know my strengths are. My strengths are not it's painting fast. <laughs>
0: Dude, you are a way faster. This is the one thing that you've always held above me is that you're a way faster painter than me because you do YouTube videos so you know how to paint fast. Like and indiv- now, individual models. Now, when the rubber meets the road, <laughs> you're going to have nothing.
1: <laughs> I, think, uh, I, think, uh, I think batch painting armies is different than speed painting single models obviously i think there's a whole planning thing there's a whole limiting your palettes you're not like getting like 80 colors out Mm -hmm. you know there's some of that Mm -hmm. we'll see i'll try um the army that i wanted to paint for this was the legion of blood and then i didn't know when this was actually going to happen so i used that army for uh the painting marathon video where i painted for 38 hours straight um and uh so I had to add extra models to my list to make it 2K points, mm-hmm. which sucks because the extra model I added was a fucking Coven throne, <laughs>
0: <laughs> which is not exactly an easy model to paint. I don't know. It is not an easy model to paint if you want to get there and have all those really crispy details the way that yeah. they're in there. But all the ghosts it's a are cool. Easy. It's a good. It's a it's a cool. Very kind of thematic piece at a distance too, and you can make it look really cool without getting. All bogged down in every sure, details. Yeah. So,
1: yeah, it's just like every other model in your army, right? You can choose to paint all the swords and the metallics of the horsey ghostly guys, or you can just make them all a ghost color. You yeah. know, yeah, those are,
0: those are ghost lances. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So, yeah, I, I'm I'm curious to see how yours goes. I think what you could do from a time saving perspective in terms of editing is is what you would have that more of an opportunity and experience in doing than when I. Um, did would be to have the cameras rolling and kind of do like what you did with the Jazza video where you can capture a lot of your actual commentary and everything in real time. Yeah, yeah. Um, Through multiple cameras and all that kind of stuff. And yeah. that might make your script writing and all that kind of stuff really non-existent. Yeah,
1: that's the plan. The plan is to have time off cameras and also that main cam so I can just flick it on and talk to it. Yeah. Yeah,
0: I think that'll be good.
1: It'll be good. I, you know, f- you seem so cool as... I am cool. Yeah, you thinking. are so cool. No, <laughs> I didn't mean you're cool. I mean, you're very relaxed and... Uh, what the fuck was that face? Uh. No, you just seem like you're like, yeah, I have a whole pain army. an army. For, for a lot of people, myself included, it's kind of like a... What's the word that I'm looking for here? It's something people are chasing constantly. Sure. It's this fairy, you know? And, like, you just knocked it out on a weekend and made all those people look like idiots, myself included, right? So but you, why are you, you're why not amped about this. Why are you not amped about this? I,
0: um, You seem so, like, laissez-faire. You know where I'm going to be amped about it? I'm going to be amped about it this weekend when we sit down to play some Age of Sigmar with Vinci V and Heck yeah. Sam. Yeah. And I have a painted iron for the first time in my life. Yeah. Then I'll be amped. Okay, okay, okay. Sure. Now... It's almost kind of like I'm in this point of, like, frustration with myself. Why? Because <laughs> I have all these armies that I've had for, like, two years. I've got a full Nighthawn army. I've got, like, 6,000 points of, of death. I've got, like, 3,000 points of death guard for 40K. And none of that crap is painted. And I was like, I just did a whole army in a weekend. I could have, like, 17 armies like Vince by now if I would have actually been doing this. <laughs> it's not as hard as... as We make it out to be. Here's the other thing, too. Neither of us are doing this as part of the weekend. It's not building models. It's not priming. It's not priming. It's not basing models. Yeah, 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 yeah. And not because we're trying to cheat the system of finishing it in the weekend. It's because when I sat down and decided how I wanted to do this, this is the way that I want folks to be able to replicate it in real life. And in real life, on a Tuesday evening, I can assemble models for 45 minutes if I have time. Yeah. I can sit there and just apply all my little basing stuff, or I can do the green stuff rollers to get all my bases stamped out and all that stuff. That is not something that I really get a ton of more value and efficiency in doing it spliced up. Yeah. Where it really counts is when you're sitting there with paint on your palette and models in front of you. That is where you can maximize the amount of time that you need to spend to accomplish the task. Just do it in one fell swoop.
1: I mean, if I can play devil's advocate, there's definitely an argument to be made that setting setting yourself up for that kind of success definitely plays a role. In getting that success, right? Mm. So it's, I mean, you could save time in the area of basing by not doing green stuff rollers and like having to break all those shards and apply that to the base. You could just do dirt and that'd be easy. Um, you could like have a very specific sub assemblies set up that would make your painting go faster. For instance, say you had cavalry and the cavalry was the. 90% one color and the rider was 90% a different color. So if you kept them separate, then you could airbrush one, two different colors and save time in masking. So like, there's, there's yeah. some value in that. There
0: is some, there are some good steps there again. That's, and that is setting yourself up for success for the actual painting slog and mm-hmm. finishing it all. Right. But I would, there, I could see myself doing that. Exactly. If I had a cavalry army, like if I was playing, I would not deep can. Yeah. I had 35 eel riders. You have got to believe that those eels are not going to be attached to those riders. You got to believe. Got to. You better believe it, baby. <laughs> but also the thing from the building perspective is to be honest with ourselves, most of us have a buttload of gray models yep. that we're using to play the game. Yep. We're yeah, still no, playing. That's, that's games. very true. That's very true. Yeah. You know, we're playing. They're on bases. They're all out there and hitting the hitting the stores to play our games. They're not painted yet.
1: Yeah. This um, is the
0: part that matters. Yeah.
1: That's definitely true. Uh, it's it, like assembly seems like such a, an attainable goal for so many people, mm-hmm. right? You you, build, you buy this really big kit and you can put it together in a couple hours, whereas painting can, can take 10 or 20 hours. Um, speaking of taking multiple hours to put together a kit, it took me five hours to assemble
0: Neferata. Is that <laughs> par for the course or am I just slow? Dude, I, that was one of the first models I ever put together when I first <laughs> Oh started. no! Uh, yeah, because when I first got into the hobby, the first thing I bought was that start collecting. Oh, and it, yeah, it comes with the Mortar, yeah. Yep. And that was, I built that right away, and I'm like, this game is not very fun. <laughs> <laughs> dude, um,
1: so many mold lines oh, and terrible, that go terrible up and spines. down vertebrae and spines and things, and it's dang, terrible. dude, Amber was like, I can see why people pay other people to you know, like paint their stuff. It's taking you forever to do this. Cause I was just sitting next to her while I was doing it. I was doing it outside. Cause it was super nice yesterday. And yeah, it took me five hours. I also did it on stream and got absolutely no <laughs> um, because it was so complicated and people were asking me questions. Um, but yeah, dude, that was,
0: like, that's rough. When you're like model, you're like, oh, I got to build the covenant room and I got to build enough rod. I'm like, dude, did you just pick like the two shittiest models to put together in the full games <laughs> workshop range? <laughs> <laughs> 'Cause both of those models are hell <laughs> yeah. to put together. Yeah. So much time. So yeah. much time. It's like, oh yeah, but wouldn't aren't all big models hard to put together? No, not really. Aren't they not? No. Like think about if you were to like compare Neferata to like the um Orc, War Boss, Mega Boss on Maw Crusher. On his cabbage. Yeah. Yeah. Like that is like and then three mold lines it's totally different not that it's not also difficult it's a big model with a lot of stuff but it's like they are not all apples to apples okay so you built the night titan right not yet
1: oh yeah it's i have it is yeah and i've magnetized it yeah i built it yeah (laughs) i forgot what i did um yeah that yeah you're right that was uh that was pretty simple
0: yeah and that's a giant model so yeah it's bigger than Mortar for sure yep okay so uh we know you haven't well you haven't painted but what did you paint what i painted this week was i had a little osl
1: i don't know if i'd call it an experiment but um it was a thing for my one of my patreon groups where we were all looking into osl and i would consider myself in this uh, period of phase period of phase Hmm. this period of my life where i am figuring out osl from a not like a physics point of view. I understand, I think the physics of how OSL work. I'm trying to now just actually make it work on the miniature. Because there's a difference between understanding how something works and also being able to accomplish it, right? Yes. And so I have, uh, just like with freehanding, which I'm not amazing at, but I'm okay at, um, I have so many just small uh, experiments of OSL where I'll do very small things like someone has a hand that's on fire and I'll like make the forearm have some OSL on it. Very simple led things, stuff like that. And as I progress, I do bigger and bigger things. Um, and this one was a a shaman in my hate tribe, my Bulgar hate tribe from hate. Um, and I made her blades glowing and I wanted, I wanted it to be like a midday glow. So the top of her wasn't dark, but it was sunlit and the, her bottom half was lit by her purple blades. And I want to say that I think this is probably one of the, my better attempts at OSL mm-hmm. in recent history. Um, there were some problems with it still. I was trying to figure out how to get like a really punchy purple, and of course the solution was to add in hot pink. And But then, like, course. But then like, what color do you use for the OSL? Is it purple and hot pink? It's like a combination of those things. Um, so yeah, I painted the hate model for an, an OSL experiment. I haven't fully figured everything out about OSL yet, which is why I haven't made a video about it yet. But once I do, I'll make a video. Um, and then I also painted three Models for the Charity Army video, a Sister of Battle, a Necron, and a Thousand Sun, which that was kind of a challenge in and of itself because it was like, I had Guy help me with the Ultramarines. Mm -hmm. He's good at making fast schemes, so he did that one. Mm -hmm. I had Duncan help me with the Necron scheme, Mm -hmm. um, which was mostly okay. I made some modifications to it so you had to buy less paints Sure, because his uh, his scheme was kind of just like, it's kind of hard to think about. It's like, but people have to actually go out and buy this stuff, so I limited some of the colors he used. And then the sister battle one was one that I had to come up with. And so was a thousand sun one. So it was like really kind of a little mentally taxing to kind of figure out schemes that didn't use lots of paints and were easy to accomplish and looked okay. Um, but I think I did okay with them. Um, and it had like a nice look kind of like escalation in, in, in difficulty as they, as the different sections went on. But yeah, that's what I painted.
0: I liked it that, people could choose not only based on what spoke to them in terms of the models or whatever which is a good choice if they want to help out yeah. to pick ones that excite them but they could also pick based on the paint scheme that either is the most comfortable for them or that's drawn to them the most yeah so i thought that that was really smart instead of like the way my brain would have worked through that i would have made them all as equal as possible. Sure. And I don't think that would have been the right approach. I I would have been like, okay, they're all going to use six colors and they're all going to use similar kinds of techniques to achieve those colors. And then people can just pick, but here it's like, well, no, by using a silver with a contrast over it, that makes that unique for that army. And it has a really kind of funky result. That's different than everyone doing the base coat of all the different materials and so on and so forth. So,
1: yeah, I don't know if there's a right way to do it. Um, It's just kind of what happened naturally. Um, but yeah, that scheme for the Sisters of Battle is one that I want to explore more for my kill team. I want to do a metallic red. And I want to try different ways of getting it, um, starting with the Vallejo aluminum, but also putting Tamiya Clear Red over it. Mm. Um, because that one, Tamiya Clear Red is, uh, I think, a lot different than Contrast. It's going to be even shinier. It's going to be so shiny. Yeah, I might need to hit that. So I, I think if I do Silver, Tamiya Red, panel liner, then a Matte varnish that could look really fucking hmm. crispy
0: i'm interested to see how that would turn out yeah
1: the see the, the beauty of contrast paint is that it is like to me a clear red but also a wash at the same time right so it gives you definition yes it's actually a really good use of contrast paint um so i need to figure out a way to replace that kind of the depth that gives you for free mm-hmm. so we'll figure it out
0: depth for free Depth yeah. for free. that's
1: how they should have advertised contrast paint Okay. All right. opportunity. We
0: should make our own contrast. <laughs> yeah. Get in on this. Make a Kickstarter. And make a million bucks. Depth for free. <laughs> Offer it in a cool wooden box that it gets delivered to your door. In. Oh, now you're just making fun of someone. Oh, I would never do that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay. Well, once again, Scotty, we are sponsored this episode by our good buddies over at Dark Future Creations. Mm, love those guys. Created by oh. mini painters for mini painters a Dark Future Creations creation strives to give us a connection between dark fantasy and cyberpunk settings Mm, for all you anime lovers out there that also love sci-fi get a load of this guy dude this is my favorite model of their line that they sent us dude he is a ninja samurai he could, he's got a little throwing knife in one hand. He can put a katana. He can put a nasty little pistol with a silencer on him. Yeah. Um. He's got a lot of different options for bits and a crazy little bass. I don't have him on the base, but trust me, he's got a sweet bass. And also the cast is crispy yeah. A-F. <laughs> I just basically sniffed this off. Yeah. There's still a little. I mean, there's a couple of things I probably need to go back and do, but I just want to see what it'll look like in about 15 minutes of prep work and assembly. So all the bits came together super smooth Um, just a little dab of super glue and hit the joints and as you can see there's no lines no it's beautiful speaking
1: of this awesome samurai this is one in a trio in their new universe called cyber split which is part of a Kickstarter that's launching in September Mm -hmm. of 2020 and we'll have it linked down into the description Uh, You can get all kinds of fun things in that Kickstarter. A lot of fun freebies, such as a step-by-step painting guide written by Matt Carnival that he wrote while he was painting the box arts for uh, the various models. And you can see that picture up Right now. Speaking of box arts, they also have the legendary on Hill Heraldis in on that ish. Mm. And he painted that biker chick and it yeah. looks I mean it's perfect. It's perfect for his style. That, like yeah. He created the infinity look. Mm-hmm. And these are kind of like big infinity models almost. Yeah. Um so it works
0: perfectly for that. And and as you probably know by now, but if you don't, I'm gonna say it again. These models have a variety of extra bits in them. For instance, this guy had a couple different heads. Mm-hmm. He said he's got different weapon options, he's got these weird tentacle things that are like cyber tentacles, like Omega Red from uh, X Men. Omega Deadly. Red? Omega Red? You know who Omega Red is? No. He's one of the coolest villains of all of X Men, and they don't have him in the movies because they're stupid. Oh. But he's got sweet tentacles like that that hold a little lantern, oh, like a no. Japanese yeah! lantern. Oh, I love it. Um, so you get all the extra bits, and some of the models can actually have totally different poses too because of the extra bits, like that lady that is on her bicicleta and that bicycle is actually floating and
1: is suspended in there by the mini right yes it's sweet
0: it's a it's a hover bike yes that is actually hovering yeah yeah that's a cool design and all their miniature line in the kickstarter come in your choice of sizes either the 32 millimeter gaming size which you could use for proxying your badass hqs with these things or 54 mil which is what these are right or wow. are these 72? Those are 72, yeah. And this is 72. <laughs> <laughs> so 54 <four> smaller <laughs> than this. This would be the biggest size, which is would be great for display. So with a 54. I kind of butchered that. Thanks, Dark Future Creations. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Their Kickstarter features early bird
0: pricing and also has friendly shipping for both NA and EU. So that's it. Once again, thank you, Dark Future Creations, for your support of Trapped Under Plastic and letting all the spruits and spruettes know about these sweet minis coming their way soon everything is linked in the
1: description below if you want to check it out all right on the topic which is basically about fanboys No, no no it's about if you could spend a day with any miniature painter and there wasn't a language barrier issue who would it be and why and this question was supplied by one of our patrons whose name is sinopole so, I've made it pretty clear in in past videos that uh, miniature painters are kind of like rock stars to me. They're cool. They're elusive. They're elusive, they, they, like they're hard to catch. Like they're all greased up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> You're just like, oh God it slips out. No, uh, you know, they're 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 kind of on a pedestal for me. It's like it's awkward to approach them, awkward to talk to them, stuff like that. Um, and of course they don't feel
0: that way and now i'm just picturing banshee all lubed up with vaseline <laughs> <laughs> he's so elusive <laughs> i can't squeeze him <laughs> <laughs> slips out of my grasp. <laughs> um
1: this this question i kind of struggle with because it's like what's the difference between someone i want to spend time with and someone and someone that I just like their painting style of mm. right and i think the difference is if someone's interesting but also if they have a technique that i'd can't figure out how to do and would require me just to watch them that'd be the kind of person i'd want to spend time with mm-hmm. right so a great person is uh oh you're just gonna jump right into the name right uh, gonna... yeah 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 yeah, uh his he's easy he's a, he's a, he's a hmm. how many times are you gonna say he's a <laughs> <laughs> and that's why i remember his name <laughs> he's, a, he's, a, he's, a, he's a he's a it's bohun um uh, the oh, way wow. bohun paints wow Good. is uh is super unique to him right sure and so just to be able to watch him paint and ask him why he paints the way he did and how he arrived at that style would be fantastic we could walk through things like he has this history of insane freehand but it's not like freehand where he's like making like a mural on like a flag sure it's like a pattern on a miniature like all over it like a like a cube pattern or some kind of thing like some some digital camo thing um so just to be able to sit and watch him paint would be helpful to kind of digest what he's doing and why he's doing it and things like that, which mm-hmm. isn't as apparent in
0: videos and stuff like that. Sure. Um, some things, and I was uh, pooping earlier and thinking about this question. John has pooped twice in the recording Dude, of this This is what podcast. happens when everything is flushed out of my system and then you give me McDonald's and my body's like, what is this? <laughs> Exit. <laughs> get it out of here. <laughs> no, nope, there's still some in there. Get out of here too. Um, Okay, so I was thinking. And there's some some things that I think are really important in deciding this, what my answer is going to be. And I think this is kind of a good general oversight to actually taking a one-on-one painting experience with somebody in general. And the number one thing is that when you're spending time in person with somebody, one-on-one is a totally different experience than... Even a full class with a dozen people or twenty people, or a virtual learning experience like through Twitch or a, a YouTube video, something like that. There's something that is possible in a one-on-one experience that isn't possible in any other way in this hobby. Yeah. Um, what is it? There's, there's actually, there's two sides to the same coin. Okay. Side number one is the actual up close right next to them watching the tangible work that they do stroke by stroke and getting consistent questioning and answering of you're saying how much pressure are you applying is there a is there a reason why you're doing really quick short strokes um and just them answering while they're actually giving you the the physical um oh, kind of lost myself there
1: <laughs> no <laughs>
0: why did you lose yourself what happened
1: i don't know where i was going no, no no i i totally understand what you're saying um i've taught two private lessons before and they're about four hours long each and the ability to be able to because i was able to finish the step before the person finished it because i was familiar with what i was doing and they were learning what they were doing so when i finished my step i could just set it down and i just sat there and i watched them paint yes. and like i bombarded them with like like feedback and things like that and i was like try doing something try doing it a different way try doing this like uh and uh it was probably stressful for them but it's kind of like the stress that's like a good stress where it's like you kind of undergo this period of growth and then later you sit down and you think about everything that you were you know experimenting with and, and, and trying out and you start to incorporate new things in your painting regime but yeah being able to sit there and watch what they're doing incredibly valuable now i have a question about the topic for today is this specifically, is this uh, someone you want to get a one-on-one lesson from or someone you just want to hang out with?
0: That's a good question, too. Yeah. Um, and that's what I was leading up to how I would choose to make my decision if I could do this with one person and only one person. and It's like a lesson thing? Right. Okay. So saying the flip side of that coin is not only the immediate engagement to what they're doing and why they're doing is they're sh- showing you first. But yeah. then as you said, the flip side is them dissecting and in the moment telling you things, whether it's talking about paint dilution, whether it's talking about getting, wicking off some of that paint on your brush before you're applying. Yeah, because there's too much in there, yeah. the tiny little things that you're doing that can that all kind of pile onto each other to equal your final result of your painting work. Yeah. And they're showing you in the moment their recommendations of ways that you can improve the kinds of things. If you watch a video or even if you're in a class of 20 people, you don't get as much of that or maybe enough to really take a big jump up in Mm -hmm. the quality of your painting for that. So how that applies to who I choose is I'm not necessarily concerned with somebody that they have a specific technique or style that I want to emulate. So, a great example would be like a Michael Posarski. He has this crazy smoothness, especially with metals, that even though I would love to sit with him and learn how he does that, I'm more interested in a person that, from what I know of these painters at a distance, I know would be great at that constant feedback and interaction and teaching mentality. Yeah. Because there are a lot of amazing painters out there that aren't necessarily amazing teachers. And maybe they are, but that's not how I know them. So my list quickly goes short. Okay. Um,
1: and you're you're taking us from the angle of the reason you're hanging out with these people is to, to
0: have a private lesson in miniature a, painting. To have a private lesson in miniature painting. That makes sense. I think they're all interesting to me. Right. Like if I want to hang with somebody to just have an amazing experience while painting? Ben Cantor. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> ben Ben Cantor is that person. Yeah. And you will have no idea where the conversation <laughs> is going or what you're gonna be doing. You might ask the question, how many uh, peanut butter filled m ms would fit in the volume of the earth? Yeah. And then you'll spend the next 45 minutes sitting in a van <laughs> trying to determine the answer to that question. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't think we ever did kind of get to the answer, but Benjamin but was... But damn, did we fucking try? Yeah, we <laughs> did. Dude, all mental math, too. We wrote nothing down. No, no. It was like our three brains were computers.
1: <laughs> our, three, our three brains formed a supercomputer. Yeah. No, there was one, four. One of us was figuring out the volume of a, of a, of a peanut butter M&M. The yes. other one was figuring out the volume of the earth and like, okay, now I got to do some division here. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Jake was in there too. Jake in was there, in there too. too yeah. Yeah. We had yeah. four brains. Yeah. We had a 25% more brain capacity. <laughs> yeah. And Jake's a lawyer. So he we really needed him <laughs> yeah, in this. We, we <laughs> did, yeah. Um, so yeah. Okay. If I'm doing that <laughs> for having an amazing experience with someone, especially someone whose brain doesn't work like mine and how they approach painting, Benjamin Cantor is a great one.
1: Oh yeah. That, you can really break
0: down how your way of thinking and explore yourself to a totally new kind of thinking. Yeah. yeah. It's Sam Lens is another obvious one for oh that God. group. Yeah. Um, I have from our class that we've taken with Sam and spending time talking with Sam and hopefully in this upcoming weekend spending more time with Sam and learning from Sam. I have learned so much from a tangible takeaway and become a better painting standpoint. But why Sam is so great is because Sam is also just a fucking riot to hang out with. Yeah. And he's just such an interesting dude. Yeah. And um so there's that. But I get Sam and Vince this weekend, so I can't pick them because I'm already going to get that. Okay, okay, okay. (laughs) And I want to pick somebody who there probably is a language barrier because part of the question is language barrier-free here, right? Right. So I need to take advantage. Okay, take advantage of this. Yes, hypothetical. Hypothetical. Because I think that's a really important point in this because language and how we describe things that are not so nuts and bolts, cut and dry phrasing, there can be huge huge hang-ups when it's not your primary language yeah. of how you describe really minuscule things. So we're talking about very, you know, finite, tight, little techniques, and if you don't have pure mastery of that language, it's not really comfortable to just flow off your tongue, it can be really hard to share that stuff. Right. And what you think you're saying and what they're interpreting as could cross the wire somewhere. And then you're just not making the connection to learn how you'd want to learn. Right. Or what really is most valuable. Not that you can't and we haven't learned from people who are English second language speakers. Oh yeah. If it's one on one, and I'm gonna be shooting them with questions. questions right, constant questions. Left yeah. and right. Yeah. You know, we don't wanna you know, the barriers might come up. Right. So if I'm thinking about someone when I look at their their body of work <clears throat> and I think about the quality of their painting, their reputation in the industry as a teacher. Oh man, say the person I'm thinking of right now. Okay, there's. I have three. Okay, I've. I have two that I want to talk about as well. Look, keep, keep going. Okay, so my list is three, and I'd be hard pressed to choose which one I would choose. Okay, the one I know which one I would choose because I'm a fanboy. Yeah, but you. Okay, yeah. Okay, now I know what you're talking
1: about. <laughs> um, it doesn't need to be one person. Okay. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Of course. I know you're talking about. But keep going.
0: Big old Burger King. Big yeah. old BK. <laughs> VK. Oh, the king himself. <laughs> um, so so there's three and I know that there's more out there, but these are the three names that came to my head. Number 1 is Ben Comets, of course. And not just because Ben in my eyes is kind of the godfather of an insane display quality, but also his paint style doesn't have its roots as closely tied to the Spanish style, the Spanish Italian painter style. Sure. Which is different than kind of a, a traditional European style and what you'd call some kind of melting pot of the American style. A, pan- a Spanish painting style is a very distinct look. And I really like it, but I appreciate how Ben's pieces looks so different than a spanish painting style and mm. so much realism um and, and kind of crazy trueness of color instead of exaggeration okay which is oftentimes the spanish and italian styles more more exaggerated more painterly painterly great great description number two would be banshee okay yeah because this is my ba- mind yeah banshee it, it i i won't you have had an experience with them. <laughs> that sounds so <laughs> ominous. You had, yeah, he had the Vaseline <laughs> covered. He was um, so hard to get. Yeah, he like, you had to corner him. He's like, <laughs> can not get me? Um, but I've heard nothing but praise for his ability to inspire and empower. Yeah. And his uh, qualities of, of incredible Teaching ability, yeah. So that is why I'm drawn to him. Obviously, he's he's an amazing painter too. But just the way that I see his mind works is very um, traditional. I don't mean traditional in a negative way. A traditional art thought process. Yeah. In how he approaches this is truly in ways that historically Renaissance painters would approach uh, a canvas art. So, I just had an idea.
1: Okay. We should make a stretch goal for the podcast that is we'll have banshee as a guest on our podcast okay and how we get him here is we fly to spain we do a two-on-one two on, two on one lesson with him yeah record the podcast in the evening and, yeah. and get get all that done and then we get a lesson
0: from him yeah 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 that, that yeah two in one i love that let's do that let's do that then it's a business expense yes and we could go to spain yeah <laughs> <laughs> i'm gonna eat so much tapa. In Spanish omelets, yes. Okay. Oh, baby. Okay, and what's that ham? That amazing ham that they call have mm. that's like smoked and it's still in the bone. Damn it, I can't think of the name of it, but it's supposed to be like the best ham in the world. Whoa! And they like they have a really thin slice, and it's just like sitting on a like a Flintstone style meat and a bone thing on their on their counter. You just slice it off whenever they want it. That sounds amazing. It and it just like melts in your mouth okay we're gonna have that too yeah put that on the checklist all right (laughs) um okay so so banshee is is number two
1: i totally just ruined your train of thought i'm sorry
0: no i i'm with you i i want to go now okay okay so we're while we're on banshee do you want to spend to talk about your stuff with him now
1: yeah i mean i could just highlight what i've already said so first of all he's a teacher he's taught tens, if not over a hundred now classes with people. So he has kind of his routine and his, his methodology probably figured out by now, right? Yeah. But also I did that class with him at Adepticon. I didn't even paint anything. We it wasn't it wasn't a painting class. It was like a I'm gonna amp you the fuck up class. Whoa. And uh it that happened. I was amped. So he, he is so impassioned and his passion is so intoxicating that I left that class wanting to to paint minis. And it was it was a great feeling. So yeah definitely one of the people on my list that i want to hang out with or get a lesson from whatever it is he's he's he's, he's cool he's
0: very passionate about about painting did the class take place in like a high school locker room and you're all sitting <laughs> on the benches waiting to go after halftime halftime we're down we're down yeah <laughs> home, home team's down by 10 <laughs> no unfortunately not oh. he's also
1: very passionate about interpreting history uh he, he feels like a lot of the attention is put on the wrong people about like who, who like uh, the, the big painters were because he, he he was brought up by people like Julio Cabos and people like that and he thinks those guys should be getting more recognition for what they did for miniature painting than uh, people like himself people like Ben Comets, people like uh, uh, in that uh, time band of sure. painters. You know what I mean? There's like a even an older one that I'm not even familiar with. Raúl Raul, yeah. Raul García Latorre. He's kind of in that oh. area as well.
0: Yeah, the, the shoulders on which they stood to get to wh- where we're at today. Exactly. And that's a really good point, and not one I've spent a lot of time looking into because I'm not honestly much sure how much of that is cataloged and, and documented. Anywhere. I don't think it is at all. Be- yeah, because there is a huge gap when you're looking. I think probably around. Be around the like the '90s, early '90s to early 2000s, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. where there was a there was in there was a big jump in the late '90s to early 2000s, mid 2000s, on the quality and the the pushing the limits of the art form, and we we know about the people that really stood on top of that mountain after the mountain was erected, but we don't know who built it. Mm, as right. Well, yep. Right. Because they had to get there. Yep. And they weren't the necessarily all the, the only ones that did it for that time. So. Right.
1: Right. Yeah. So the plan right now, uh, after I made that video about Roman Laporte, uh, Banshee reached out to me and said, You should make one like that for Julio Cabos. And I was like, Sure. <laughs> I don't know anything about Julio, so it'd be super cool for me to figure all of it out. But I also like making videos like that. So it works. As long as you make a joke asking him if he lives down by the schoolyard. <laughs> me and Julio down done by the schoolyard. <laughs> All right. Yeah. So yeah, definitely Alfonso Aurel as a banshee would be a
0: fantastic candidate for this question. Mm-hmm. And I think he's a would be a really interesting. He's so like intense. He's, yeah. He's intense. Yeah. Right. I don't know how he's got a big sense of humor or not, but I feel like he I feel like he be, he's game for anything. Okay. Because here's the thing: is if I'm gonna take a one on one with people, like as intense or as productive or whatever it's gonna be, I can't take anything seriously. <laughs> And so I don't want to just get to have someone so pissed off at me. It's like, you know, John, we are here for 10 hours and you are not working hard. You are making all the fun of the things. How are you to play D&D with? You just take the piss out of everything? Dude, yeah. I, I, I take the piss. I put it in the jug. I take it down to the... Fucking drink it. Yeah. I, I put it in my mouth. I light a lighter. I spit it and blow it up in your face. That's it. Yeah, I, I take nothing serious. Although when I'm a DM, I'm pretty serious. Interesting, because we need to make sure it's the maximum fun by being serious. Um, I take I take the responsibility and the act of managing the game serious. Okay, it does not come across to at the table as as being very serious. Okay, I have dramatic points, dude. I love the high horror fantasy campaign. Okay, I want people getting their butt cheeks sliced off by vampires. And, Did you call it high horror? Yeah, high horror what is, what even is that you smoke a lot of weed <laughs> and then, then you play D&D then You play D&D <laughs> with the lights
1: on
0: <laughs> <laughs> with a little flashlight under your chin and you're like
1: I'm freaking out man
2: <laughs> I can't see anything <laughs> where's my minis I don't even know if I'm on the board <laughs>
0: um wow that real. yeah so i need somebody that's gonna have uh, a fun time so if you spruits and spruits are like gosh you know i'd like to do that i'd like to you know have a ton of fun and learn some painting stuff you should pick me <laughs> you better be careful
1: you're gonna get some serious inquiries about doing private one-on-ones okay fifteen thousand dollars
0: <laughs> Jeez, see now that's easy now i don't have any
1: no, it wouldn't be 15,000. <laughs> Contact me to figure out what it is. <laughs> Wink. <laughs> King.
0: Amber, I need you to put that little, that little thing where you go, King. <laughs> She's not going to do that. No, <laughs> I know. I don't know how to do that. So, so I wanted to ask her. <laughs> Can you teach me how to do it, Amber? <laughs> um. All right. Number three. Number three. The third one on my list. Francisco Farabi. Farabi? Farabi. Why Farabi? Farabi, because. When I entered Crystal Brush, and I placed second place at Crystal Brush. Fuck you. <laughs> the head judge was Farabi, and he's done that number of years. has been lead judge, and he judges a lot of competitions. He judges at Monte Santavino. Yeah, yeah. Oh, he kind of like runs that show. Yeah, almost. yeah. Yes, I mean he's he has his his tendrils in so many things. But the thing that really interests me is that Farabi is a teacher probably he's an amazing painter and he's got something that nobody else on the list has to probably his regard. And that is the understanding and the experience at judging at the highest of levels for years and years and years. And so when I'm going to spend time with him, not only is he going to be giving all that feedback and learning to be a better painter because he's an amazing painter, but the conversation can also be focused on what aspects of the painting really make them stand out when you're looking at the highest level painting and competitions and judging and what is looked at. I want to have that constant cycle of feedback and stream of discussion happening in that one-on-one time. Mm -hmm. Seemed like a good answer.
1: I agree. You know, another reason why Frobe is a great answer is because he doesn't wholeheartedly subscribe to the style of Spanish painting yeah. or Italian painting. Uh, you can tell uh, when something is painted by Francesco. He has mm-hmm. a very distinct, high-contrast look. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, that'd be cool to... High saturation. Oh, big time. Yeah, yeah. I think last week, one his Stormcast Eternal was one of my favorite, favorite painted models for that, like, Fortnite that we were talking about. That was a cool model. Uh, he also won best in show at crystal brush the last year it went on right yep with his
0: uh chimera 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 and do do with the spear right oh it's fighting he was on a pegasus fighting a Chimera. yeah yeah yeah, something like that manticore manticore that's what it is yeah yeah yeah. um it'd be funny if it was chimera chimera because chimera (laughs) is the name of the company but they also produce a chimera they gotta do that at some point yeah they gotta right why wouldn't you their logo has a picture of a chimera head yeah
1: (laughs) so yeah that's a great option I thought about it a little bit more, and I was like, I wanna, I'd wanna talk to people or learn from people who are subject matter experts in a certain field. And so I thought, thought of two people. I thought of uh, Angel, Angel Heraldes, not Alfonso, because of his experience with airbrushing. Mm. Uh, airbrushing is so integral to his process, or at least it seems like it is, that he probably knows so much about it that he doesn't say. You know what I mean? Like when you get so familiar with something. And so just to be able to see him operate in terms of like how much uh, pressure he's applying on the trigger, how much he dilutes his paint for a given step, like what kind of like pattern he's like, is, he, is it circular? Is it square? Is it hexagon? <laughs> Whatever it is. Is he going back and forth <laughs> like this? <laughs> he's just like jackhammer. Uh, so just to see that would be really cool. But another person I thought of was uh, Mark Masclon, who has uh, a very oh, specific yeah. style. But also he paints so many busts and so many large scale figures that he probably has a really cool approach to it. And I've seen some of his step-by-steps on Facebook um, where he starts with this very dramatic layered look and then kind of smooths it out as time goes on. He recently did the box art for that like uh, that sci-fi-looking uh, Uhura from Star Trek yeah. bust. And he showed the step-by-step for it. And it, he has a very specific plan on how to paint uh, something. And I, I want to know that plan because I don't mm. think that I'm incredibly comfortable painting large-scale figures mm. just yet. I've painted maybe like three or four. Um, and it'd be cool to get like an expert's opinion
0: on uh, his approach to it. Yeah. The, I, I'm i dra- finding myself being drawn more and more to the reasoning behind that style, that very stark, almost F smoothness style mm-hmm. where you really are building in the, the lighting and the atmosphere and blocking in colors mm-hmm. and worrying about the, the smoothness and the, the final product later but if you if you don't get it set up with the correct ratio in your contrast at the beginning it's something <laughs> smack the microphone with your hat um, if you don't do it at the beginning it's so much harder to try to figure that out later dude
1: yes um, I, there's like I had a video where I figured that out with, with shoulder pads I was mm-hmm. like this one took me 24 hours to do and the second one took me Eight minutes to do. How did I get three times faster? It's because you you've figured out beforehand how much of each color needs to be on the thing before you're like ready to start blending. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's such a huge thing that I think a lot of people don't that, 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 that they underestimate. Um, but yeah, that's a big thing. Okay.
0: So I I think Angel Herolos would be a great one. He's a great example of somebody that is not an English speaker. And that makes me really interested about, like... He obviously has... The amount of hours painted in his life as he's a full-time commissioned mm-hmm. box art painter. For a long time. For a long time. Yeah. um Just to pick his brain with no language barrier to really understand all that wealth of, of knowledge in, in history. Right. Um, that would be really cool. Mm-hmm. So he'd be a great one.
1: Yeah. And then someone that I have to mention i don't have to but i would want to is roman lapat oh super God. unique way to painting
0: and i want some of that in my life yeah and i would ask him to keep saying liam neeson quotes through the whole day
2: <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah but also he's another kind of like
1: uh uh alfonso geralde's person who is like he's been teaching for so freaking long yeah and so he has the process figured out and, and even i'm familiar with it like all of us one-on-ones start with the same thing it's like you're you're painting a wolf on a poster card uh i don't know why he starts with that but i assume he figure it out in the course of the class and then from there then you move into something else um but just to pick his brain about his approach to painting would be so cool and we should also fly to germany and do that yes and get have him, have him on the podcast yes I'm just, gonna go let's the motherland. take the show on the road dude the motherland yeah isn't that russia
0: well no i'm german so that's my motherland oh okay yeah all I've right never been and i must go Okay. <laughs> I must go. I must do it. <laughs> um, yeah. Also, the thing with Roman that I, I think is a, another great aspect with that is he is a, um, a trained teacher. Like, yes. He went to school to be a teacher. Yeah. So there's a whole history of not only having taught many painting classes for years and years and years, but to, to take from a formal education and understanding what works in a traditional art teaching stance and to apply it to us, um, I feel like I'm set up probably to have more takeaways from, from that.
1: Yeah, I kind of wish that instead of being a software engineer, I was a teacher in my previous life because that would help me so much right now, whereas being a programmer has helped me a little bit. Yeah, it's
0: helped you with Discord. That's true. Yeah, I got wrote my own bot. I'm I'm scared of Discord. Why are you scared of it? I don't want to start at Discord because I won't know what to do with it. <laughs> <laughs> I'll create three channels and say good luck, guys.
1: Yeah, Discord's a little bit of a, its own can of worms. Yeah, we'll figure it I out. I don't though. want to talk about that right now. Let's no, talk about no, no, no. it no.
0: Let's get back to Ben comments. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I was thinking about this. I was like, what's the best country for miniature painting? What do you, you mean? Had, uh you know, I don't really know what I mean. Maybe I, maybe I mean if you had to move somewhere, where would you move? Maybe I mean if you could dissolve every single miniature painter into a liquid, uh, what would be the <laughs> tastiest liquid? <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe I mean which country has the most skill? Uh you know, I don't know. I haven't thought it out fully. Um let's start with where would you New Zealand. Why? Cause Why you don't know a single painter from New Zealand. I know
0: Miss Castorain Oh, God. <laughs> he's Australian. Well, isn't he from New Zealand? Yeah, no, he's from Adelaide. Jeez. Well, we'll convince him to move to New Zealand. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, Trent. Trent.
1: Probably the biggest insult for an Australian to be misinterpreted as a New Zealander a and, and vice versa. Yeah. Neither of them like that.
0: Really? Why? That's racist.
1: I mean, they hate each are you, other. Are you racist, Trent? Yeah. Trent, are you racist? <laughs> Nice. Nice way
0: to (laughs) defuse that. (laughs) Just flip the table. Yeah, yeah.
1: he was angry, but now he's like, wait, am I racist?
0: (laughs) Um, Okay. It's one of the most beautiful places in the entire world. A. B. Lord of the Rings was shot there. Stop. C. I'm not asking where do you want to move in general. Dude, you can paint miniatures anywhere.
1: (laughs) Okay. If the only factor was I'm going to move somewhere such that I can be in the shit of miniature painting the most classes the coolest experiences where would you li- where would you move this includes cons. this includes
0: whatever else wherever monty sansovino is okay know. italy yeah italy okay yeah. i'm thinking germany yeah is there a lot of
1: you got ben you got roman you got yeah. Raffaella Pica. uh yeah. if he ever paints again he's painting lately mm, a little bit yeah yeah um and there are more i'm sure <laughs> I just can't think oh, of oh so more
0: <laughs> yeah I guess there's quite a few in Spain as well I mean Spain is probably Spain's probably yeah. European hotbed yeah um
1: I think UK is a is an obvious contender yeah. uh cause you have Warhammer World you have SMC you have all the British painters like David Soper and Darren Latham and uh and Gareth Nicholas and there's so many more um and mm-hmm. lots of lots of fun events there as well
0: yeah did you say Trent Denison, dude? Trent, he's Australian. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Bruh, what is wrong?
0: <laughs> I thought he was from England.
1: See, I'm a real fanboy.
0: This guy is a poser. <laughs> dude, I just, my brain doesn't hear um, accents. Yeah, you've watched a video with Trent narrating it. It's, I've watched a lot of his videos.
1: <laughs> you think he's British? Oh, I just. Dude, we've dude, had this conversation I before, don't have even. any.
0: Dude, my brain is colorblind. I, oh, that's I am no. I I see everyone as a human being, not as putting them in little boxes okay. but where they're from. Sometimes it's good to appreciate the differences in cultures and not just
1: whitewash everything.
0: <laughs> oh, right back on you, bud.
1: <laughs> hey, let's go get some Taco Bell for lunch. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Cultural appropriation at its finest and tastiest. Mm, yeah, give me that crunch wrap. <laughs> All right. Yeah, you're right. He is. He is Australian. <laughs> In, in, like, if I listen to his voice, I'll know that he's Australian. Just in my head right now, for some reason, I thought he wasn't. Mm-hmm. Anyway, also, America, because yeah. the thing that we need to realize with America is there's is equally as many amazing painters over here. Our country is just so stinking huge from a landmass perspective that we feel so separated. Yeah. yeah
1: yeah like the you know. United Kingdom is like smaller than New York State yeah yeah
0: the all of Western Europe could fit into Texas yeah and
1: like what there's like 60-50 million in UK and there's some 330 million in the United States mm-hmm. o- on paper America should have v- a lot of very good miniature painters but we're starting to slip into a conversation that I want to have at some point and I think we've had it at one point which is why is America bad at miniature painting sure because there obviously there are good we had this conversation. We might have yeah. There obviously there are good painters in in America, but the per capita or whatever you want to say is totally off.
0: Um sure. <laughs> 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 sure. Uh you you you're looking at I mean you're looking at total population as a whole. You're not looking at um total population of, in comparison to the, the hobby and interest in, in general itself just because something's not more popular here doesn't mean that there's less people overall it just means that there's a lower percentage it's just like oh there's better soccer players in all of Europe than there are in all of America and why Why is that because there's way more people here well no it's it's not, it's not just comparing numbers of people to determine quality of a, of a given thing So there's the, a lot of other factors that go in
1: the claim you're making is that the percentage of people in America that are hobbyists yeah. is lower than the percentage in the UK. Yes, so it's like 5% here and it's like 8% there. Because yeah. okay.
0: if we were just talking about a strict number of people, China would beat us at everything.
1: Yeah. And yeah, there's a reason they don't because <laughs>
0: it's a multivariable equation. Right. Okay. That's fair. Okay. So I guess the way I was approaching this topic in general was to try to determine what I would most want to get out of a one on one experience. Yes. Because that's what we're that's what at the core of this question is, is in one day or two days or whatever you want to time limit you want to put on it, what would be the most valuable to you? And so I think how we flip this back on the sprues and spruettes is to say, if it was you and there was some somebody that you would be able to spend a day with or two days what would you most want to get out of that what would you most really hope to be able to leave with that you didn't come with and that's a great set of questions to ask yourself whether it's going into a weekend class with scotty boy and i once the rona is gone and we're hitting the road and and you want to join us for a class. Or it's somebody locally that's been painting for a while and they agree to come over to your house. I think by you going through that process of what do I really want to get out of it? What would be most valuable to me? What are the questions I want to ask? I think you need to go through that with yourself prior to then the actual event. Just simply going into something with you, like I'm just gonna keep an open mind and I'm gonna let it be what it's gonna be. I don't think you have as much chance to really get as much value out of that time as you could. you didn't do some proactive thinking and maybe even jot stuff down it's like oh i don't want to forget i talk about this or ask this question Mm -hmm. or show how i'm doing this and why it's frustrating me right trying to glaze this power sword and i can't get it to like have a smooth bright you know shiny white at the top and all that kind of stuff like yeah the more you really decide what you want the more you can be direct because most great painters great mini painting teachers that kind of stuff they have the ability to adapt and to help you with what you need. And if you just are passive and sit back and let them lead, they'll go into their autopilot mode. And this isn't a knock on them. They'll go into what they've done before. Right. And maybe what they've done before will still be helpful. You want right. them to still lead. They are the teacher. Right. But they'll just keep doing that. If you don't stop them and say, okay, let's do this. Let me ask you on this. Show me this. I kind of thing.
1: that's a good point. I thought someone else, um, I would love to have a one-on-one with, uh, I mean, this is people that we talked about for on the podcast, uh, Darren Latham, because he seems to get this impossible level of cleanliness that I refuse to believe is attributed to Photoshop editing that everyone mm-hmm. in my comment section seems to always say whenever I do an heavy metal Marines episode. They're like, there's a reason it looks better. It's because it's edited. Like maybe there's like contrast added, you know, like with some of those like sliders, but I refuse to believe someone goes into the photo and removes like bumps and dust particles. So it's all yeah. flat and smooth. I feel like there's some consideration that he's taking that's making his model appear so fucking pristine. Yeah. And I want to figure out what that is. Also David Soper, because he's in England or he, yeah, he's, he's in the United Kingdom, but he... Australia. No, no, he's, he's British for sure. <laughs> uh, but he also... Paints in a style totally not like anyone else in, 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 in British. In British? In British. In Britain. Why there's so many fucking names for the same goddamn island? <laughs> yeah. No, there isn't, there isn't. United Kingdom is a combination of Northern Ireland, Wales, England, and Scotland. No, not Northern Ireland. The other part. Northern Ireland is his own country. Okay. Anyways. Um Yeah, those two guys. Big time. And Trent Tenison, as long as you're there. Yeah. Might as well hit him up too. <laughs> um, All right.
0: That's it. Goodbye. No, I'm just
1: kidding. <laughs> so
0: we tried. you know, I was a little bit hesitant on this topic in general because it, it made it, it's gonna make it sound like there is a, a top tier of people that would be considered best mini painting teachers. Because if we're we're talking about a one on one with one person, we're talking about wanting to learn the most, meaning they're the best teacher. That's not true. There are people that have been doing it for a long time and people that are amazing painters that are also teach at conventions, teach one-on-ones, teach classes and stuff. And that doesn't mean that they're the only good ones. It doesn't mean that they would even be the best one for you. For sure. We're yeah. just, we're we're throwing out some stuff that, that we know, but we could sit here for another two hours and come up with another 25 names each that would all be legit, great, great answers to this question. Yeah. You know, um,
1: there's another episode we did that's related tangentially, and it's uh, what makes for a good class. Sure. And that will, we'll have that linked below, but that'll help you decide for yourself uh, what a good teacher is going to be for you. For me and for John, it's different things. Um, but that'll help you kind of discover your value stream for like what makes a good teacher. And then
0: you'll have your own list of people that you want to meet and chat with. I just, I just thought too was like I was thinking like, oh well other Americans. Jen Haley. Man. Oh yeah. She can create the most subtly smooth, beautiful, tiny teeny, tiny twenty-eight mil (laughs) models that look (laughs) amazing. And most of the folks we're talking about here, not most, but a large percentage of them, they're working on larger scale models. Yeah. What she can, can produce on the tiniest scale is ridiculous. And I would like to see how the hell she does that. And to show my big ape fingers, try to do that. Like little... Does Jen Haley have somewhere where
1: she shares her stuff? I don't know. Okay. Cause I'm friends with her on Facebook and she doesn't do it there. No, I don't know if she has like an Instagram or something like that.
0: I don't, I think she does the, where I've seen her post most stuff that I've seen is through the kingdom death groups. Oh, like recently in the last year, mm-hmm. okay. So then you're more up to date than I am. Okay, that's good. I don't know if she has an Instagram. Okay, I would hope so. Come on, Jen. Come, Come Jen. on, Jen. Get yourself out there. Come on, you—you're the craftsman. <laughs> uh, no one's gonna get the craftsman jokes. I think they're funny. You tolerate them? What do you mean? I love them. Okay. Well, I love him. I don't like you. <laughs> <laughs> Go check out the Craftsman YouTube channel. <laughs> okay. <laughs> And then you'll get my jokes on the me. Okay. Your jokes are, you
1: are just sounding like him. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's,
0: that's the extent of the comedy. That, that's the extent of most of my comedy. <laughs> Interpreting. Okay. Shitty okay. versions of people you know.
1: <laughs>
0: that's the word. Impersonation, right? Okay. That's okay. the word. People right. you know talk a
1: lot. <laughs> okay. I think that's it for that topic. Um these conversations don't need to be three hours long. <laughs> as we're so <laughs> they good don't need to, but they usually are. <laughs> yeah. Thank you, Sino Pole, for the uh for the topic. If you want to suggest topics for our Patreon, consider becoming a patron. For our podcast. Consider becoming a Patreon. Lots of P words. They're hard to do. Out of the news Black Dahlia Murder released a new album. I didn't know this until someone asked me if i heard the new album and I discovered that I had not. uh, And I listened to it and in looking for a record to buy or a CD,
0: remember CDs? Remember those things? You got CDs, right? Dude, I sold most of them at grad sale. Um, I still have, oh, I have a couple of like big thing, big CD cases oh, that you used yeah. to keep in your car back in the day. Yeah. When you had yeah, CD yeah. players. Yeah, yeah, we'd, yeah, yeah. It, we'd have CD players in our vehicles. Yeah, 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 then you had the big fat binder of CDs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I that still got was it. that was the number one thing why people would break into cars would smash your window and grab your CD For binder. CDs. I still got them. I still have a CD binder, and my wife has one of those things that you put into the
1: the the, the, a the visor. visor? Yeah, yeah, baby. One there too. I like CDs because, uh, like, when you're road tripping, dude, your internet. Yeah, dude. You you lose it, okay? Yeah. CDs don't need no fucking internet. You no. just
0: play them. Yeah. It's and there's nothing better than riding shotgun and digging through somebody's <laughs> CD binder. Yeah. Be like, oh, some ICP in here. Let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> oh God. <laughs> um.
1: Yeah. So Black Diamond Murder new album came out and they also released a D and D. This is a hard word for me to say. Supplement with their album. So. They have a story for you to follow along and role play. The new album's called Invenomous. No, it's just called Verminous. The album is called Verminous. But yeah, the, the book is sick looking. It comes with its own dice that match the uh, album art cover. Um, but it's cool. I like it a lot. It's 24 pages.
0: Okay. So, oh, dude, you can get their own dice. Mm-hmm. With the CD, mm-hmm. oh man! Look at all the sweet merch bumps they're getting here. Mm-hmm. RPG bump bundle, mm-hmm. uh, five blank character sheets. Wow! Maps. Four creature encounter cards. It says D anD D five e. Okay, so obviously this is going to be a rat based campaign. That that too. It's uh, it's it's like almost Skaven-y. dude. It would be great. Okay, here would be the best part about this, is if in this, if it's a short series of adventures or a small campaign or whatever. If they had cues in this aspects or different portions of the game, where it would cue to you play one of their songs from the album, that would be background music or be like an introduction to a bad guy coming in here in Mm -hmm. these deep, dank sewers. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) Those are the mice.
1: (laughs) Yeah, that'd be cool that's kind of reminds me of a guy from midwinter minis he yeah. has like an album uh that is used it's supposed to be used when you're playing 40k um mm. but the tricky part is there's a difference between background music and f- most music which is foreground music <laughs> I, don't know right. what I thought a term people use <laughs> um yeah for me metal is that's the main event i can't listen to metal and do something else i'm listening to metal I am digging up corpses, or I am murdering someone, or I'm headbanging. One of those three things. I'm not. Pay- I don't paint minis to metal. That's just, that's just. I don't
0: like that. Yeah, that seems like a different kind of uh, level of energy. Yeah, yeah. So, what we learned from this small bit of the podcast episode <laughs> is, if you're walking down the street and you see Scott and he's listening to metal, run. <laughs> <laughs> Because he's there to do some murder. <laughs> You're going to die. <laughs> You're going to die, boy. Hey, <laughs> <I laughs> run. <laughs> um,
1: All right. New Spira Mirabilis sculpts. Yeah, that
0: happened quick. Did uh, it? Uh, maybe yeah. not. It has been at least a month. I know. Well, because I tried. Doesn't he usually put out like three or four a year? So I guess that would make sense. From when he announced the Dwarven Miner. Yeah. Not to be mistaken for a minor dwarf. <laughs> um, he's not underage. No, he's not underage. He's, is he, a, he's, he's, he's under he, the ground. He, is, he, is he an underage minor? Yeah. He's a dwarf and a minor minor? That's a funny sculpt right there.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, so, yeah, that was probably three months ago or about now. So, that would make sense. So, this new one, uh, which September 4th, will be when the pre-sale goes out for that. And it's only 48 hours, so I don't know how to math to know if it's still open right now if when this podcast episode goes live. Shoot. It'll end on the 6th. The day before. goes live on the sixth. So when you hear this, if you didn't get it, it was yesterday. (laughs) (laughs) Um, It is... It's a squig rider. It's a a goblin and a squig. He's riding on a squig. And there's like another like little baby goblin or something over his shoulder. Oh, I did that one. Yeah, but the the squig is so circular. That's, it's hilarious. Yeah, it's
1: such an orb. It's yeah. It's
0: it, a beach ball. His face eyes. is
1: like on the surface of his body. And <laughs> and he doesn't have like a head, you know? It's like his body <laughs> is the head. <laughs> it
0: just has the derpiest funny look. I, I'm getting this because I want to paint that thing as funny as possible. If you get it, it makes me feel like I need to get it. Yeah, I want to paint it with the squig. Having as close to, like, human skin tone as possible because I would be so uncomfortable to look
1: at. It's
0: making me feel uncomfortable right now. (laughs) I'm just thinking about it. Jeez. Oh, man. It's like, ooh, yuck. thing, that thing made of human skin? Yeah. Uh, And then the goblin could just be, like, this muddy olive brownie green. Big contrast there. I like it. Are you going to get it? Probably not. He's like holding the fat folds to hold on to the oh, squig too. Man. He's like hands are dug into the orb. Like it just it, The thing feels like it's made out of like jello. Oh, man.
1: The more you describe it, the more I want it. Yeah, dude. But you I feel mean, like I need to paint the other one I have. I don't Did even you get it yet? No, I don't have it yet. Uh, hopefully soon. I think I got the tracking for it.
0: Um, <laughs> but we'll see. Oh, man. That's surprising. Well, I mean, I backed mine. Maybe he ships them out in order of backers. Yeah, I think he,
1: he does it in stages. Mm-hmm. He doesn't, like, make all the casts at once and then ship them all at the same time. He might mm-hmm.
0: do them in, like, chunks of 50 or 100. I don't know. Yeah, because I was, like, I backed it in the first, like, 15 minutes that it was live. So I was thinking maybe that's why I. Oh, maybe. Yeah, yeah, He yeah. just have a literal list in the order of backers. and Probably. Down there. That makes sense. So that's Friday. So we're going to be at your house. Oh, when it's live? Mm-hmm. Oh, you're trying to figure that out. Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah. Yep. So we're gonna we're gonna all sit there together and order it. I bet I can convince both of them to get it too. No, you don't think so? I think Sam would do it for sure. You think? I think Sam's the one who's his own. He's his own independent person. He'll do whatever he wants. I know, but I'll like make sly comments that will make him think it's his own idea. Oh, you not get, overtly say it. You're gonna you're gonna get in his brain. Yeah. Okay. Literally. I look forward to. For order. It. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> Poke around in there. I look forward to you trying. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's cool. All right, so I want to talk really here on the quick on the newsy news because recently we've had another Games Workshop Twitch stream for announcements. And they happen on Saturday mornings here in the US. I would assume it's like early evening or something in the UK. I don't math, so whatever. <laughs> I don't maths. <laughs> if I do too much maths I have to go to hospital. <laughs> 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 um, and so it's their twitch thing and they keep growing in the amount of people that watch that like I don't even know I'm not going to guess but I'm thinking it's in tens of thousands no the people that watch it in the live stream no it's, every time the one I've seen I remember they grow and more and more people and so my thought is I'm going to guess under 10,000 you think so for sure okay well
1: wow. dude live numbers are weird weird yeah they're, they're weird are they a different kind of maths yeah <laughs> like getting 100,000 views on a video oh yeah is time like, is
0: inco- consequential
1: I think the equivalent of that in the live stream version is getting a thousand con- concurrent viewers
0: uh, yeah I could see that
1: yeah so to, if they had tens of thousands of viewers that'd be crazy to me think about that
0: though it's it it's in a world. time of Didn't not you? being able to play the games I get it I get it on a Saturday and they're announcing all the goodies for every single game yeah, it's enticing. Mm-hmm. So I got a couple things to say about this. One, when they first started doing this, because they weren't going to do the be able to do the announcements at Adepticon, that's just how this all came to pass, right? All the GW announcements that were there for Adepticon and then for shoot, there was going to be another one that they do announcements at. Was it Gen Con? Yeah. Gen Con, LVO. They, they Con, do announcements okay. at all of them. And then at Nova, there was going to be one. I think that's what the one this week was supposed to be like, the Nova replacement okay. from the previous one. We're seeing these more and more. When it first started, because of coronavirus, the production quality is pretty low. And I'm not upset with that. Nobody was. We're just trying to make it work. Everyone's streaming from home, and we're just the yeah. different people that they're bringing on and chatting and showing pictures and blah, blah, blah. Um, but I started thinking about it in comparison to like video game shows where they announce the big trailers for new games that are coming out mm-hmm. or Sony or Microsoft announces their new system or Nintendo high and mighty won't do anything unless it's at their own Nintendo convention. or whatever. Oh, right. Okay. So, and I started thinking about how those are such an industry standard and hype builder and marketing giant for the industry in seeing how Games Workshop has continued this, the question I asked myself is, are they going to continue this? Even if, even when the land of conventions and having those shows from the conventions come into play, are they going to use this as a way to understand the piggybacking of live stream at the convention hall like a video game expo? Mm -hmm. Is that the next stage? I think it should be. I think that that's the next direction for them to continue to build and give all these people on board live. The production needs to go up about three levels because it's still, for a company that is worth as many billions as they are worth, it boggles my mind how little they put into displaying to the public the awesomeness of their product. And I think you if if a Naughty Dog Studios can put me on my ass by watching this amazing trailer and having this live at VGA Expo, what it's like to live in the world of Cyberpunk 2077. If they can do that, they're one tiny freaking studio worth $10, $15 million compared to this organization, you guys are dropping the ball.
1: Oh, yeah. You're relating this to like like E3 and stuff like that yeah. where like they have like a, okay, sure. Yeah. Right. It needs to be like, yeah. Like, or like doom. Like when Id released doom, it was like, they had like a freaking metal concert and stuff like that. Yes, That's like a, you know, I don't know if we can really blame GW a lot for that. Cause that's not like current culture of live
0: shows yet. But, but those obviously are it'd be all, cool if we got there. I have a, I have a friend that the he takes off the work week from work for e3 yeah and watches the live streams all day every day of every announcement from every company and those wow. the amount of people that do that i didn't know this was a thing they not only go there in person but the income that they bring from the constant live stream from that week week and how many concurrent viewers they have is pretty insane yeah
1: we're so far away from that
0: i, I think we're a, we're away from it in terms of the, sh- the sheer amount of people that are interested in the media, medium. But I don't think we're that far away and there's already the standard set across other hobby related, nerd related culture, comic book related, video game related, toy related that's already doing this. Yeah. That me watching a dude in Nottingham with his bookshelf behind him and then he hits the button and then there's a picture of a giant cow with a hammer. I feel like there's more there. And I feel like that this. I hope this is the right trend of them going towards announcements in a more open to the world way. Yeah. Instead of just, oh hey, we had it at Adepticon, and in two hours, because everybody here took the pictures and they're going to share it on social media anyway. In two hours, Warhammer community page will show, show what was shared here. Make it a spectacle. Make it something that is a draw, and it's a FOMO, missing out, fear of missing out on this, and you build more buzz. You build people that were just oh, I'd heard about Warhammer or whatever. Maybe this is their their connection to really taking the plunge. Yeah, you, you build a positive mass hysteria. I like it. I like it, and I love the idea of it.
1: Um, the production around. Sh- First of all, we can't really compare E3 to uh, GW some guy, you know, doing a live stream from his house, right? Because E3 happened when there wasn't the coronavirus, right? Yeah. You're talking about you're talking about in a post-coronavirus world, right? Right, yes. Yeah. The kind of like rigging and equipment you need to get that kind of live production, it's like you have multiple like live production cameras which are different than like the ones we shoot on. They cost I saw, tens I saw. of thousands of dollars. Like you, you saw that video? Yeah, yeah. Why do cameras cost as much? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Super cool. So basically like that guy um like 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 three or four of those a whole like live streaming deck with like several employees it's like a really big production something i would love to freaking do (laughs) um to be an eng camera operator that'd be awesome um but yeah i don't know i feel like that's like a decade away i mean i hope it's not but i feel like it is because like we're not we're not even live streaming keynotes at conventions now in any capacity there isn't even some nerd with a camera on tripod Who's got hooked into the mixer and got the audio? Like, we're not,
0: we're not even there yet. I think I, my first. Um, I was just quickly Googling how much their work they're worth. They're worth over a billion British pounds. OGW? So, yeah. You tell, okay. You're telling me that a $10,000 camera is an issue.
1: Yeah, it's yeah. ridiculous. So here,
0: <laughs> for a billion-dollar company, <laughs> it's
1: not—it's not a matter of I have the money, so I'm willing to spend it. The, the, everything in a business is a transaction, right? Sure. So if I spend a hundred thousand dollars on a live production event of uh, my keynote at Adepticon, how much value is that going to add to my business? And so I feel like GW is probably a
0: stingier company when
1: it comes to stuff like that.
0: They—they are—they are extremely archaic in terms of their marketing approach right or, yeah
1: like they the, the concept of giving youtubers money to have a call to action to buy their product in a video is foreign to them and they're not interested in it i feel, I feel like they'd have a hard time spending it's, that kind of cash
0: it's it's not even that they're they're probably like obtuse to it and don't it's that it's not foreign right, 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 right. They, word. yeah but i get what you're saying they understand that is an option they yeah. get, i'm sure they have seen that other folks in the hobby do such a thing they have actually chosen to go a different route.
1: So when we have our, well, our convention, mm-hmm. we'll hire a live streaming panel and they'll stream all of the keynote speeches and mm-hmm. it'll be amazing.
0: That was the thing I was gonna say. And I thought about it in the moment, first AdaptCon I went to, we went together three years ago now, or two years, however many years, I don't even know what time it is. Um, <laughs> that was, it shocked me when I we got there And I realized there was no overall agenda. There wasn't, I mean, yes, they had the little pamphlet thing or whatever, but there wasn't, I've been to so many conventions and um, all the kind of crap for works stuff before. Um, And it's always well- there's always like a a central hub of organization, right? There's at least the keynote kickoff, the welcome, whatever. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah, 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 yeah. There's a, there is a a bunch of live sessions for just seating and and that kind of stuff. And at Adepticon, it seems like they're not alone here. That there's never coming together for a big panel review or a big uh, announcement or anything never does anybody we get maybe it's just because we couldn't physically put them all in one space to begin with so maybe it's just a logistical nightmare to ask of that sure but i was just surprised how different it was it is just more like going to the freaking county fair (laughs) you know that's uh, (laughs) that's a great
1: analogy that's exactly what it is Yeah. yeah there is no main track of events to follow Interesting. You gave I, I couldn't find the the birthing barn. <laughs> <was at> the, <laughs> <nepticon>. <laughs> the dairy barn and the live birth barn. I wanted to pet a baby chicken. <laughs> we did. We did the drive-through of the the state fair.
0: I heard that you had to buy tickets right of that. Yeah, right away from yeah, that, yeah. Right? What was that like? It was okay. Did you just like eat your weight in fried food. Yeah, it was kind of fast. They kind of, they're
1: kind of like ushering you through because obviously there's like one hour blocks and there's like a million cars and so like once you got into the main thing like i was driving and so like i was like driving rolling my window down giving cards out eating and eating a nugget over here and then like (laughs) getting the card back and then getting food and handed to the passenger so it was kind of a little hectic but it was still cool
0: okay i want to take a moment take a moment and share how utterly american that this experience was a drive-through state fair we have coronavirus so we can't have a stay fair so what we need to do as Americans is to bring all of the world's fattiest foods together, and then we will buy tickets for the opportunity to buy that food without getting out of my car. So American. and just oh, yeah. sit and smorgasbord our way through driving with the window down and just eating all that fat, dude. Yeah, sugar. Yeah, it's I mean, so there's, a little, there's a little bit more to it,
1: like, let me, I mean, like summer is such a huge deal in Minnesota, and that's such a, yeah, that's a, a that's a pinnacle of summer. Yeah, there's like companies rely on that income to like survive, kind of thing. But yeah, it is very American. I do Sweet Martha's cookies. They Woo. work.
0: They work ten days
1: a year. Yeah, that's all they need. That's a million dollar company. Got it. A bucket. Got a bucket of that stuff. Did yeah. You? The, the friends in the car with us were like. You don't really like Sweet Martha's. We're like, what? What's wrong with you? Get out! And so we bought the bucket, <laughs> and they ate most of the damn cookies. Wow, ironic
0: bastards! Yeah. Then,
1: if you're watching this, what are you?
0: I see you. What are you doing with your life? <clears throat> Go get your famous Amos, you monster! <laughs>
1: all right, welcome to the end of the podcast. Thank you for all sticking around and listening to us talk about all sorts of dumb things.
0: Really appreciate it, John. If you didn't stick around, go to hell, because you're not listening to this anyway, so you won't know. Exactly. They, they wouldn't uh, have heard that. Yeah. But you did stick around so you can stay here Go to heaven. Us. Go to heaven. You can go with us. We'll also be going to hell. Yeah. <laughs> I will be on where Scott's going to be. It's a cooler journey there, though. Yeah. It's a little bit warm.
1: John, if they want to support the PCAST.
0: You want to support the PCAST. Hey, you thought you said you hate the word PCAST. Yeah, but I like to lean into your jokes. Okay, because my jokes are funnier's. Yeah, they're funnier. They're funnier. They're
1: plural funnier.
0: Well, I'm just going with maths. Maths
1: and holiday,
0: yeah. <laughs> On holiday, um, they can buy a t shirt. <laughs> <laughs> we have trapped under plastic shirts, which I am currently. Don't touch. I knew you were going to touch me. As soon as it's like, like, I have this force field, and as soon as you're within six inches of my body, you can't stop. You're not a toucher, are you? Like, I'm a toucher, but not your fucking gangly fingers. Get them away. They're all damp. In your butt crack? (laughs) I'm a sweaty boy, dude. Oh, man. You can buy a T-shirt. That's one thing you can do. Yeah, we'll make sure to send you one that Scott didn't fondle with his fingers. (laughs) And uh, you can also support us on Patreon. We've got a Patreon account, which does help us keep these podcasts rolling, rolling, rolling. Sorry, I didn't mean to limp-biscuit us right there. Yeah, um, not, and, not cool. Uh, you get some cool stuff by uh, being a, a sprut and spruette and joining the Patreon account. Um, we have an extended version of the podcast where we call it The After Party. We just get to hang with us for a bunch of extra segments where we show the, our favorite new miniatures the for the week that we've seen painted by somebody else. This is usually the part that Scott describes, so I'm going to let him describe the rest of it. Uh, you also
1: uh, get to hear our feedback of one of the sprudes and spruettes in the community so as a patron you get to submit photos of your painted uh, art and we live critique it in an episode and lastly we talk about a new thing that we experimented with in this uh, previous week so for me it was OSL for John it was blood splattering now, splatter but there's a new thing every single week that we've tried and, and either failed or done well at and we talk about it
0: yeah that's good yeah. um also, if you're a member of the Patreon, you can submit ideas for topics for the podcast. And, oh, baby, did we get some this last week? Heck, yeah, we did. We are bombarded. Big time. Um, what was his name? I want to give him props right now. Nathan? Sam Lowry. Sam Lowry. He gave us a ton of topics. He really gave appreciate. us a year's worth of topics. He was like, here's a year's worth of topics. Just casual. Just dropped it. He just, like, dropped it. Boof. And like he's gone. golden brick.
1: Other free ways to support the podcast are uh, watching this show with uh, ads on. You can whitelist uh, channels uh, for YouTube ads, depending on what ad blocker you use. I know you use it. I see you. I see it. I use it. Okay, I'm a fucking YouTuber. Okay, I see you. So yeah, I whitelist channels that I care about and want to give support to. You can also just tell your nerd friends about our podcast or uh, give us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts.
0: I like that. A smootherino. Thank you. Yeah. So we got more work ahead of us. I don't know if it's going to be today. I don't know if it's going to be another day. We Mm. got work ahead of us to uh, really get down to the businessy things. You know, Nigel, he's going to have to come out (sighs) and check the charts. That was a sick reference in the latest video. Dude, I'm glad that. See, it's all about the callback. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so. True fans. True fans (laughs)
1: would understand who Nigel is. That video has criminally low views. Yeah. For how fucking great it is!
0: Uh, like the true fans really know that skit is probably the, the the mountain peak of your entire YouTube career. It's close. It's uh, up. It's up there. Darren Latham saw it and thought it was pretty hilarious. Did but, he? Yeah. Hell yeah. Yeah, dude, dude. It's like Darren. Which one of these guys are you? <laughs> 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 All right. All right. We'll we'll link that video below too. If you haven't seen our skit on Games Workshop. <laughs> <laughs> and how it's run you're missing out you are missing out and you you're welcome <laughs> 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 subscribe okay sorry no 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 so uh, i can't get to the end of this without thinking that here. what do we say i know what we say what do we say thank you for hanging out for this one and until next time when we catch you on the flippity flop